Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversation at 11,000 feet. With your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we give you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversation at 11,000 feet, coming to you from the Eastern Sierra. I'm Christopher. And I'm Stacy, and with us is producer Doug. Hi, Doug. Hi, Doug. Hello. So, Christopher, it's almost 4th of July. It is. Very exciting time in the Eastern Sierra. What are you planning to do this weekend? You know, I'm... We're... I just hemmed and hawed all over that. There's a whole lot of adventures we could have out of the 4th of July, right? People are giving me advice right and left of what to do. I've been back for less than a year, so it's been a while. Yes, and there is quite a lot going on all throughout the county. So in Bridgeport, we have the oldest parade in the state of California happening. It's true, and I think that's where we're going to end up tomorrow. We may just grab our dogs and drive up there and see it. I really like Bridgeport. It's such an old-timey little western town. And it really shows that so well on the 4th of July. It's the quintessential western experience, I think. Where all the community and all the ranches and other surrounding communities come together, right? Absolutely. And they've been doing this parade for 157 years, so you know they've got it down. And there's so much going on, because I think it's over multiple days, I've, I've been told. I know that the library... I have to plug the library. I'm the library director. The library, uh, Friends of the Library book sale has been part of their 4th of July uh, um, celebrations for many, many years. And this year is the same, four days in a row. So I'm definitely going to go put my face in, say hello to those people. I have to do that. But I've also been told um, there's a tug of war. A tug of war. Totally curious to see. I haven't seen a tug of war. Will you be participating in the tug of war? No, me and my back will be sitting that one out. (laughs) Otherwise, I may be in traction for six weeks. Uh, I'm I'm no longer the spring chicken, but it'll be fun to watch. Definitely take some pictures, and we'll post them on the in our show notes. Totally, yeah, for sure. There's also a rodeo that takes place. Right, they have that rodeo grounds right next to town. Yes, and the only time of year I believe it's used is on the fifth and sixth of. July. So that's optimum time to see it. Big opportunity. And the weather should be beautiful. So yes, for sure. Awesome. Great. Yeah. I'm totally looking forward to it. What are you doing? Well, I'll be in the South part of the County in Mammoth Lakes. And I, as part of the Lions Club, I am a lion, a Mammoth Lakes lion, go lions. Um, We have our annual pancake breakfast. It's our big fundraiser. It starts very early in the morning. So if you're around, (laughs) if you're out there, if you're listening, Come get some pancakes. Don't you think? Don't you think that like all of America is hosting a pancake breakfast on the morning of the Fourth of July? I, I think there should be a survey to see all <laughs> how many pan. It should be part of the census. Do you attend the pancake breakfast right. in your community? There you go. Now there's a question people could get behind. I think there would be no controversy over that <laughs> at all. After the pancake breakfast, though, you have to get in line. And you have to get your chairs set up. For the parade. Right. So we have a parade in Mammoth Lakes, too, which is a lot of fun. And then the fireworks are mm-hmm. shot over Crowley Lake on the 4th of July. Oh, so a little amazing. further out of town, but it's beautiful. And they really do a great job for a small little town fireworks show. 
So Crowley, just for our listeners, is kind of, it, as you say, it's just outside of Mammoth, yeah. but it's really kind of exposed and it's just surrounded by mountains and mm-hmm. a long valley. and Absolutely. And it's a huge lake with all different areas to it and people go and drive their campers and their RVs and their tents out there and camp out there all weekend long. And fun. it's a lot of fun and very crowded, but a lot of fun. And then on Friday, the day after the 4th, um, in the village at Mammoth is a very well-known popular event, the Chihuahua races. Chihuahua race. Yes. So those are <laughs> happening at three o'clock in the village and there'll be fireworks in the village Friday night as well. Well, so. I'm a dog person. I'm not so sure I'm a Chihuahua dog person, but I'm a dog person. So I'll probably show up and I root on a Chihuahua I think it will be hilarious. So, <laughs> and a good time. So it'll, lots going on and lots to see and do and... That's awesome. Fun for everybody. So you're a Crowley Lake native. So tell me, is fishing better the day after the 4th? Because I would imagine all the fish have been stunned by fireworks the night before. That's a really good question. I I would guess the fishing probably is not that great the day after the 4th, <laughs> but that doesn't stop people from getting out there because there are tons of boats out there right now even. Really? So, yeah. Well, if any of the fishermen are out there listening to us right now, maybe they can write in and let yeah, us know. Yeah, let us know. Send us an email. Pop into our Instagram and let us know how the fishing is. Awesome. Happy adventures. Happy 4th. You are dialed in to Oxygen Starve, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversation from 11,000 feet. Originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California, you can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. Just make sure you find us. So, Adventure Books and Conversation, we're on to books, Stacy. And this week we are talking about, we're going to talk about Becoming by yeah. Michelle Obama. Pretty you know, excited. We're both avid readers, right? Yep. And we actually started talking about this book with each other a few weeks ago, if not months ago. And I think I remembered us saying like, whoa, let's hold this conversation until the podcast. Right, exactly. And I, I remember when I told you I was reading this and you said to me, oh, I can't, we'll have to talk about it when you're done. right. And I was a little intimidated by that because but, I didn't know what to think. Well, that's because I don't want to like sway someone's opinion when they're in the middle of reading something that I have a lot of opinions about, right? Yes, absolutely. And so that was very kind of you to wait until I finished. But now here we are. We have both finished the book. and Yeah. So, I, you know, I think about, I bet a lot of our listeners have finished this book, too. I think so. You were telling me some statistics about yeah. this books in terms of its sales. Yeah, it, it, it sold, I believe, 10 million copies within the first six months, which is a, a record. She Crazy. outsold both of her husband's books like within weeks of it coming out. And do you think she holds that over his head? I hope she does. Oh, I'm I, sure she I does. Hope she's just, you know, I bet that's a running I, joke in their I family. I outsold you. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it really is, I believe, the best-selling memoir ever, at least in terms of the first year of sales. So this book really hit the zeitgeist with a lot of people. It's not hard it's not hard to imagine that it it connected with a lot of a lot of people. She's very authentic. Yeah, so t- so tell me a little bit about what you got out of the book now that you've read it. Well, I thought I have to say when I started I didn't know what I would 
how I would relate to her. I didn't know if I could because she is so put on a pedestal in our society, I, right. I, I think. And so I wasn't sure, but, you know, she's from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Yeah, right. So there are de- she's a Cubs fan. I'm a Cubs fan. <laughs> There's some connections there. We're about the same age. So there were actually a lot of, a lot of ways that I could connect with her as you know, growing up in the same place and as a mom and a sister and all the roles that she played. That she talks about in her memoir. Yeah. You know, we were talking, I read a lot of memoirs and a lot of nonfiction. And part of the reason for that is I I learn from those, right? Right. I I really take from other people's experiences and, and use those things to help me model my own behavior. And one of the things that struck me about this book just overall when I finished it was, you know, she is a very well-known figure, um, you know, incredibly high visibility, very articulate, very accomplished, and also a mother and all these other things and was first lady of the United States. But in this book, she does not come across as a saint, which is something we tend to do with people in this culture, right? Like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, we kind of turn them into these semi-religious figures. Absolutely. And she definitely, like I said, came across as very authentic. And and she really, she even talks about it in the prologue, that she's just laying it all out there, who she is. And that had to be kind of intimidating and scary to do that. But she didn't shy, she didn't back off from it. She didn't shy away from that aspect or self-edit. I didn't feel that she self-edited anything. I didn't either. I mean, this was a very well-edited book and it certainly comes across in some, from my perspective, my own reading of it, there are areas of it where she's very careful about what she says, but it's not your typical politician's book, right? So we're, we're recording this in a year of a, where the presidential primaries are coming up and debates are already starting. So everybody's got their book out, right? Right. And her husband did that. You know, yes. and I tend to take those books with a grain of salt because they're often not as authentic as this one is. She's not running for anything here, right? Right, it ex- exactly. She's just reflecting on her journey, right. you know, from this child of the South Side of Chicago to First Lady and even beyond. And she's doing so in a really candid and enjoyable, relatable way. Right. So I thought that was... a. You know, I applauded that. So, so, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. And let's, so let's start with that, you know, child of Chicago thing. Because you're a child of Chicago. Yeah. She was a child of Chicago. How did that whole section of the book resonate with you? So there were, a lot, there were actually a lot of similarities. Even though I grew up on the north side mm-hmm. in the suburbs and she grew up on the south side, you know, downtown. Mm-hmm. Um she grew up in a very solid family structure. There were four members in her family. That's what I had growing up. Her, right. her parents had very strict rules for her, just like mine had for me. And there were high expectations put upon her. And um, that's I really related to that, too. I related to her relationship with her parents and the way she reveres her parents, right? I mean, she talk about a child respecting their elders. It really comes across in this book. I'm not sure if it was that way every day in everyday life, but you know, her mother and her father were amazing individuals in their own way, the way she writes about them. Absolutely. And the, the way that they, they, I believe 
my take was that they sacrificed for their children, even when their children were adults. Right. Um, the way her mom came in when she couldn't fit in a workout, you right. know, and her mom came to her house at 445 in the morning so she could go get her exercise in and then come back to get her kids ready to go to school. Can you imagine That's that? amazing. That's Does anybody else have a mother-in-law that would do that for them? I, I don't think so. <laughs> well, you know what is also um, uh, telling about this book or, or one key factor of that parenting is that she and her brother both went on to their Ivy League schools, right? Yeah. She went to Princeton. I think her brother did. Or I did think her, her brother, brother went to Princeton too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, extremely high-powered, successful people. I mean, she went to Harvard Law School. Right. And that that was interesting too, talking about how she navigated being in those institutions as an African-American woman. Right. And... um that was really interesting. Having to go the extra mile to prove yourself more so than, um, you know, people who weren't of color. Absolutely. In the same class. Yeah, there were, there was more, she had to work harder, move faster, do everything better. Right. And, and yet she carried that off seemingly without a whole lot of stress. Clearly an individual who's driven, who's organized, and who can make it work and make it happen Yep, from an early age. Absolutely. But you know what I loved is when she talked about having that realization that she did not want to be a lawyer. Oh, I was about to say that. I'm glad you brought that up. Why did did you love that? I I loved it because right now as as a mom, my older daughter is struggling with what is her path. Right. And I... I even shared that piece with my daughter last night when I was preparing for our conversation today that everybody has a unique journey and you need to take the time to listen to yourself. Right. And that voice inside that's telling you where to go or what path to take is really powerful. It is. And I I really related to that whole story Um in a similar way in the sense that she was kind of doing what she felt was expected of her and checking boxes off along the way. Right. Absolutely. And I think a lot of us were raised that way to kind of like, you know, plan ahead and really get on that solid work and career path that, you know, you'll be able to make a better income than your parents, that sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. had lived that American dream. And she was doing that in spades, but she decided, you know, I want to do something that's more meaningful and she stepped off that path right. and went to, this is when she went to run the hospital, right? Right. Yep. And you know, there were people who questioned that at the time, like, why did you give up this career track of being a high profile lawyer? Absolutely. And she, I thought that was so admirable of her, right? you know, I mean, that had to be really hard for somebody who grew up, you know, middle class, maybe even a little lower middle class to step off of that, that, you know, multi-million dollar salary a year. Um, You know, she talked about her Armani suits Mm -hmm. and the fancy car that she drove and walking away from the ability to, to have all those things had to be difficult. Sure. But, um, you know, I just thought that was so admirable of, of her that she decided this really wasn't for her and she stepped away from it. And I think that's a very, um, you know, that's, that's a decision with agency behind it. 
And clearly yeah. she had relationships and she had a network. She didn't, she didn't go to a hospital and work her, start out as a nurse and work her way up, right? Right. She went from one kind of leadership position to, to another. another. Yeah. And that happens. But, you know, I, I read that passage and thought of my father who was, had an advanced degree in marketing in the 60s, was on that Mad Men track in L.A., and he and my mom, when they had my two older brothers were were just toddlers, decided to give all that up and move to Inyo County, which is south of here. Mm-hmm. And you know, years later, he became a UPS man and was as happy as pie. And he always said that 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 transition, that decision to step away from that, was the best decision he ever made. Well, and that you know, that's so true that I think about that all the time. If you're not happy, we spend so much time working. Right. And if we, if you don't get fulfillment and and a sense of happiness and contentment from the work that you're doing, right? Maybe you need to think about what you're doing, and right. Maybe there's a different path. Just because you, we spend so much time doing what what we do in a professional sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so I want to talk a, a, about a couple aspects of this book. Um, and one of them is is just a very simple passage that gave me goosebumps. I don't know if it gave you goosebumps, but it was, uh, you know, they described going through that whole presidential campaign and election yeah. and like, you know, the moment when she actually cast her vote for her husband. That was just such an interesting little passage. But that election night when they're in the hotel room and she sees her mother and her husband sitting on the couch... And they're holding hands. <laughs> Didn't that just give you yeah. goosebumps? I, I have to say I cried. Did you? <laughs> a lot during this book. It touched <laughs> me. <laughs> and that was that was one of those times. I think so, because she describes it as her husband had lost his mother. Right. Right. And his grandmother. And he didn't yeah. really have that family there yeah. with him the way she did. And she had her mother there. Right. Who, you know, just kind of stepped right in and was going to be that for her husband in that small way. Yeah. You know, we we started talking about how we have sanctified her, right. you know, in, in the zeitgeist, but it's her mom. Yeah. Is, I think, is like the unsung hero of, of this book. Well, anyone who would get up and go babysit at 4.30 in the morning, yeah, that's a sign of heroism right there. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, she should get like a medal, the Medal of Freedom. <laughs> or... um, and then, you know, uh, uh, a couple of other things that stuck out to me. One was, you know, she learned, she mentions during that whole campaign and being a, a first lady of the country, you just meet Americans at every right. level. And there's so much going on in the country and, and so many things that divide us and opinions and social media clouding, you know, the, the communication around everything and, you know, uh, opinions becoming extreme. And one sentence that she wrote that really stuck out to me is it's hard to hate up close. Yeah. Uh, that resonated with me too. And I highlighted that in yeah. the book. Um, absolutely. And she, but it just shows making a statement like that shows the amount of compassion and empathy right. that she has for people from no matter where they come from or what political party right. they belong to. She has that ability to relate to them. Now, speaking of that, you're a mom. I am. <laughs> One of the things I found interesting was just her describing of like, you know, 
what is the impact on my daughters? How are my daughters handling this from day one all the way up through being first lady and first family? How how how, how did you relate I, to that as a mother? You know, there was the, there's this one section of the book where she talks about see, watching her daughter play ten. One of the girls play tennis, right? And another mom says to her, "You must be terrified to let her right. be out there on the court." And I so related to that. Right. You know, you as a parent, anytime your child like walks outside of your house, it's a, you you have a little breath of let's hope they're going to be okay and make good decisions <laughs> and but in her case, the fact that her children were so visible and right. so you know they became they could have become targets right. too and I think I was so I was always impressed watching them in the White House how mm-hmm. they really shielded those girls mm-hmm. and allowed them to grow up. Right, you know, away from that spotlight. And there was another another story that she told in the book of when they let, when he was campaigning the first time, mm-hmm. and they let the girls be interviewed. Oh, uh, right. And that was, you know, that her her pain when that aired, when that interview right. aired, and they saw that they had allowed their children now to become these targets, if you will. Right, right. You know that that they made a mistake, yeah, and that really connected with me as a mom because I think as a parent you tend to focus on the mistakes that you make right. more than the the good things that you do. Um, and but that speaks so, to something you said about this book, which is she's very genuine and very authentic, and you know parents make mistakes and she admits it. Absolutely. Here. Yeah. She's, she is really real in, in that regard. Yeah. And you know, when, when you look at the title of the book becoming, mm-hmm. and I think about what that means, right. what she set for me as an example is that be, you becoming is ongoing. You know, it's persevering. It's always, you know, completing that cycle of doing something then reflecting on it. What did you learn? What could you do better? But you're always in that cycle. You're always becoming. And that was so impressive to me about her is that she is for all that she's accomplished and all that she's done. Mm -hmm. She's still aware that her journey's not over. She hasn't finished yet. Exactly. And so there's a quote that she has about um, becoming and it says, becoming isn't about arriving somewhere or achieving a certain aim. I see it instead as forward motion, a means of evolving, a way to reach continuously toward a better self. And that's something that I really took away that I hope I do that. Right. And, you know, I hope I'm always becoming and I hope I model that for my daughters and my son. Sure. I think a, a, a number of us who read this book are taking a similar kind mm-hmm. of takeaway from this book, right? Right. Which you just so um, articulately stated, and the the thing that I take away from this book, and I, you know, again, I mentioned at the outset, I learn from memoirs and, and nonfiction is part of why I read it. So I'm always like looking, what is what about this person can I learn from mm-hmm. and take forward? And she kind of encapsulates it in a sentence near the end of the book. Um, 
where she talks about having gone, you know, their, their presidency is over. The nation has gone through a very polarizing campaign. She's uttered her when they go low, we go high comment already. And so, you know, she's not giving up, you know, and she, she says, uh, what I won't allow myself to do is to become cynical. In my most worried moments, I take a breath and remind myself of the dignity and decency I've seen in people throughout my life, the many obstacles that they have already overcome. And that really speaks so to me, great. right? Yep. Dignity and decency and not being able to hate up close, right? Yep. We're all people. right? And if you just open yourself a little bit to them, you know, the, the divisions can, can be mended. Absolutely. We're all on a journey. Right, we're so, all becoming. Yeah, absolutely. Got we'll put a link to this book in our show notes. Absolutely, and I look forward to hearing what um, our listeners have to say about yeah, the book. Yeah, please, if you've read this book and have comments, please send them to us on our website or our Instagram account. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Stace. Thanks, Christopher. Many, many thanks today go to the folks at Sierra Wave Media, purveyors of top-notch local radio, television, and web media and news, They spotted us some of the necessary tech to get oxygen starved up and running. We hope you'll check them out in order to help us express our appreciation. Thanks, guys. Check them out on Alt 92.5 FM, on TV3 slash Outside TV from Suddenlink, or on their info-packed website, sierrawave.net. Well, we're so fortunate today to have for our conversation this week, uh, our guest is Jesse Ray, a local influencer from Mammoth Lakes and well-known KMMT DJ, who I get to work with on occasion. Welcome, Jesse. Hi, how are you? We're great. We're so happy that you're here. Yeah, welcome. I am happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. It should, uh, should be really fun. We hope Here's so. <laughs> I haven't been on the other side before, so it's nice. Well, we're we're so happy no that pressure. you that we get to be your your first time being on the other side. And so, Jesse, we talk in our podcast about adventures, books, and and have these conversations. And we're interested to learn what was the adventure that brought you to Mammoth Lakes in Mono County. That's a good story, and it can be short or long. So, depending on time, you know, <laughs> let me know. Um, Stacy will cut you off. She's an educator. That's, that's great. I'm used to it. That's perfect. I'll do it in segments, though. Um, <laughs> I'll explain a little of the backstory. I guess I'm from Georgia originally, born in Alabama, moved to. Georgia when I was two, was raised there my entire life till 18, and then decided to go to college, give that a try. Wasn't responsible enough. You can say I <laughs> might have majored in skipping class. Um, That's all right. It's, it was a tough. familiar major. It, it is. I, the only class I didn't skip was drama. I was always in drama, okay. and I always have been. But moving out here, uh, my brother called me one day. He said, what are you doing? I'm in Mammoth Lakes, California. You got to come check it out. And I said, you know, what, what's out there? Well, why? He said, well, what are you doing? Right. And I yeah. said, okay, um, <laughs> I'm still, still dating the same girl, working a landscaping job in the, you know, Georgia, humidity, heat, awful summers there. And uh, he said, why don't you just come out for six months uh, and see how you like it? There you so, go. unfortunately for my mom, on her birthday is the day I flew out here, uh, September 24th. And I, she, she came with me, so did my okay. dad. Came out here with a suitcase and a snowboard. and um, That's probably, all you need. That's all you need in Mammoth. And, um, and I lived at the Cinnamon Bear Inn in town, if you guys know where that is. Yep. My brother got a job as the manager there. I became assistant manager, and then I got my job as a lifty and... 
six years later, I'm getting married here. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Very exciting. A six-month adventure turned into six years. Insane. My parents have been here several times since. And uh, they love it. They they want to move here now that my dad's retired. Yeah, they don't nice. hold it against you. No, not sort of. I would say definitely sort of. They probably miss the interaction, the closeness. Um, but at the same time, it, you got to let your kids and and you know even your friends or whoever it might be let let them go live their dreams and yeah right and have absolutely. fun absolutely. So it, it's a rewarding lifestyle here. So Jesse, can I ask you a question? Because I imagine you're not the only one who just moved here with a suitcase and a snowboard. Do you know other people who've done that? Um, I do. I actually have a, a best friend from Georgia that I moved oh, out really? here. And I, I called him one day and said, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, I'm working at Rite Aid. <laughs> I said, you can do that out here. Yeah, right. I said, just come on out. It's a blast. I understand it sounds crazy, but I'm just saying it's a, it's a change of pace. It's a change of lifestyle. And yeah. It's not a bad lifestyle, I don't think, living in the mountains, living in a remote area. It's, right. It's, it's, uh, off, it's an um, option that comes up all the time, I feel like, for people, but it, it just takes that yes or no. Yeah, right. So, Jesse, you mentioned a, you brought a snowboard with you. You're obviously a snowboarder. What else, do you, what else do you like <laughs> to do here to keep you busy and to have fun that can help our listeners learn a little bit more about this beautiful place that we all get to live? Okay. Um, I would say recently, if we want to start with something recent, would be um, about three months ago I started running in the mornings. Just because it's not, you know, seven feet of snow outside, yeah, right. yes. blizzarding. Exactly. So it, it's a little bit change of pace having that sunrise at 5 a.m. And, yeah. and being able to get out there in the breeze. And I have a dog that I've had for about a year. Um, she, we rescued her from Visalia. She's a German nice. shepherd. A beautiful dog, but she really needs a, a lot of working with all yeah. the time. And so I found that with running her in the morning, it's given me kind of, I get to see the town in a different way. Yeah. I get to run down the streets that I used to right. live on and, and you know, run, try to run up Main Street. Always, That's always the last, <laughs> kinda, how far can I make it today? Right. That, that usually I can determine how good the day is going to be by right. that one. Um, but, but that would be something that I've recently really found that I didn't think I would like. But then one day I just I just woke up and, and and went on a jog with my dog and then literally fell in love with it. Sure. And I don't I, I think it's the area a hundred percent. I think that, you know, it's it's cool to run on the beach. I've heard that's great as well, but just just having the forest and dipping back into the town and going to see the golf course and then, you know, over on the other seeing the hills and the whites on your way up old mammoth. It's right. just a beautiful area to, to be active in and then and then hiking. I love hiking, yeah. day hiking, over right. backpacking. Nothing really more than a couple days. Sure, I'm not really a, a big, uh, you know, weaker or two weaker out there. You're not going to do the Pacific Crest Trail. You won't find soon. me. No. You won't find me with the big beard and the super tan. <laughs> that's just that's not for me. But I do enjoy getting out there for a few days and getting out of my comfort zone. I do think that's important. Do you have a favorite hiking trail that you like to go on? In this area, there's so many. There's a ton of them. Let's just throw a dart up there. No, um, <laughs> I would have to say the Iva Bell Hot Springs Trail is absolutely amazing. I haven't done that one. I'll have it, to check it, it is, out. Uh, it's down by Red's Meadow. That's where you start. <laughs> yep. And and you just take uh, you, you ba- it's almost a straight shot basically oh, really? all the way back. I think there's one turn and and then you're um, at these uh, Iva Bell Hot Springs and and. When you're sitting in one of them and you turn around and you look at the valley, the sun is setting right in between, and nice. and oh, you're man. you're near Duck Pass and it's just it's yeah. beautiful. It's it's a great area and it's it's 
I think it's like 13 miles in the backcountry. And so you're, you're pretty out there. You don't want to make a lot of mistakes, but at the same time, you can still make it back if, if something were to happen. And that's just right near town, basically. Yeah. If it's Red's Meadow, that's just north of town. You get your right? bus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so it's one of the beautiful things about living here is that as crowded as the town can get and the county can get, especially on a weekend like we have Fourth of July, mm. you can just step out onto any trail right. and Freedom. within five minutes you are all alone. And it's yeah. that's a real beautiful thing. It really is. It's an incredible area. We're very lucky. We you know, are. What's interesting to me, you know, I think Instagram has taught me there are more hot springs in Mono County and Eastern Sierra than I'd ever known existed because everyone's posting photos of, you know, these spring pools mm-hmm. that are just in random places. And so, you know, I just heard, I didn't know about this one before you just mentioned it, Jesse. So now it's another one to check another, out. Definitely. Wow. Add it to the list. Yes. I, I have a bell's incredible. I, I recommend everybody go in there. Okay. There you go. Well, <laughs> Put put a link to it in the show notes. So 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 Jesse, Stacy, and I were having this conversation because you know this we're all about literacy and reading, right? I'm a librarian. She's a teacher, educator. You know, I'm all about books. So we were saying like, what what are we going to ask Jesse? Is he he's going to tell us his favorite book, or is he just going to tell us what he's reading right now? What do you, can you tell us what's going on? <laughs> well, I just I just so happened to be reading my probably my favorite book um, of all time currently for. I think the fourth time. Fourth time. In my life. Okay. And it is Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. That is so ironic. I just checked it out of the library today. I did. My daughter has to read it for Honors English. Mm -hmm. I have never read it. It changed my life. So I'm going to give it a shot. I would say so. It opened my eyes to to something that could happen potentially by by ignoring, um, you know, what other people have written about. Right. It's very important to pay attention to history, to books, wh- whether it be even fiction. It's just important to get out there and to read and to see what other people's minds are talking about. So having read it multiple times, do you find that you get something new out of it each time you read it? I think so. And I also, going into it, I kind of, you know, you know the story and you know right. what's going to happen. And I try to focus on a different character. And I try to focus nice. on somebody else and maybe walk through their shoes and, and their point of view and look at it that way. And, and I even take notes sometimes if I'm really feeling something. But I just feel like right now in, in where we are in, in, the, in the world and in society, right. there is a lot of censorship and there is a lot of people yeah. focusing on TV. And focus, that's where their main source of media is coming from. And, and that's just not always truth or, or the case. And, and you got to look at many places. I think that's one thing that makes a book a classic. You know, a classic isn't a classic because it's boring or you should learn something from it. It's right. a it's a book that keeps you interested and you get something different out of it every time you come back to it. Mm-hmm. And you can re- I read read books all the time and many of them I've I've been reading for like 20 years now and I get something different every time. Sometimes right. just cuz I'm older, right? Exactly. Yeah, or you're at a different spot in your life or something else is going on right. that makes you reflect differently on what's happening. Totally, because in the back of your mind, you're always focusing on on whatever's going on, you know, in at that time, and, right. and, yeah. and whatever you're reading or watching or listening to or who you're hanging out with is going to be influencing you emotionally and mentally. I mean, all the time. It's it's kind of wild how much it plays into it, and what you're reading is humongous on the impact that you have. Well, now yeah. I'm even more excited to yeah, exactly. read this book. Now you have what, to finish it because I, I you have know. someone else you can talk I to, have to about. We it. have to circle back please, and do please. that. I, I would sure. love to. The the main the uh, protagonist is is absolutely incredible, and he has a lot of tough decisions to make. I'll just say that. Okay. 
Now, my interest is peaked. I there can't wait. And I think the one other little thing we should say about that is Ray Bradbury used to come up and visit the Eastern Sierra very regularly. That's what you told me. Yeah. I feel like that's why I'm so connected to it. <laughs> and the second coming of Ray Bradbury. <laughs> 1953, <laughs> and it's it's almost 2020, and it's still yeah. relevant today. Amazing. It's almost Insane. 70 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Crazy. Well, Jesse, we really appreciate you coming and talking with us today and hope you'll come back to the podcast another time and tell us more of how the wedding went and give us an update. Most certainly. I, uh, I would love the opportunity and thank you guys for inviting me today. It was really fun. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Have a great fourth. Thank you, too. Thanks for listening to Oxygen Starved. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.